I'm Les Miles, and this is Less is More. Here we are, episode four of the Less is More podcast with John Wangler, lifetime friend. How about, John, seven ranked teams got defeated this Saturday. I mean, this early in the year, ranked teams are going to change some, but seven? I watched the Virginia Tech team play defense early in the year. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's no question that that Virginia Tech team is going to be in a position to win the conference. I mean, I looked at them very um, comparable to Clemson and figured that considering Florida State's not really kind of what they're supposed to be, that this uh, Virginia Tech team playing defense that they're playing, and I didn't get to watch a lot of their offense, I just figured that they would be in the in the, in the mix. These are still 18- to 22-year-old kids, and uh, you get the right uh, momentum going, and you believe uh, these guys are – are pulling uh, what appears as upsets, but really may not be upsets at the end of the year. What do you think was your favorite college football upset that maybe was you didn't predict and couldn't see and maybe played in or play, didn't uh, play in in any event? It was 1969, Les, <laughs> in the big house in Ann Arbor. I was outside raking leaves with my dad, and we were cutting down a tree in the front yard. And the Michigan Wolverines beat the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, in Bo Schembechler's first year as coach. And that Buckeye team, I believe, was coming off a national title. Still wagon, national champion. They were the super softs. I was an Ohio boy kind of looking at that same game. They were the Titanic, right? They were unsinkable. And they came up to Ann Arbor. And uh, we beat them, uh, I believe it was 24-12. to And uh, Barry Pearson took a couple punts back, and Beck said three interceptions. And that really set the tone and tempo for the 10-year war between Bo and his mentor and and coach from college, Woody Hayes. And uh, to be a young kid in Michigan pulling for the Wolverines, you probably were pulling for the Buckeyes, Les. I have to to be honest with you, John. I wasn't pulling for anybody. I was involved in a wrestling tournament. I one one of the ones that earmarked my time, John, was my first year at Oklahoma State. Um, we line up against the second-ranked team in the country, um, the Oklahoma Sooners, and they're going to play for the national championship if they don't lose a game late. Period. I mean, they're they're really all set up. And we had a uh, quarterback that really just kind of took the reins, and he was in a position where he could really throw it, and they didn't really know that he was that capable. We had enough running game to keep the ball, and then late in the game, minute and 30 left, we make a nice throw down and get inside the uh, 30-yard line, and we throw a uh, comeback into the corner to – Rashawn Woods, we win 16-13. 16-13 has been a lucky number for the Miles family from that point forward, I think. And that really was your first head coaching job. And 
really kind of put you and Oklahoma State on the map and, you know, let everybody know that you guys are going to be a force to be reckoned with. But, you know, it's interesting. Bo always said this, that the upsets are in the minds of the favored. And I felt that that was the case here, too. I think that uh, Oklahoma just didn't take us seriously. That was that was certainly an upset that I enjoyed as a as a head coach. There's some that I didn't enjoy, and I'd be danged if I can remember them. So this will be a fun show. We're going to have uh, Kurt Becker played with a great Michigan team, played in the NFL, and Ben Miles, Ben Miles, who took a trip to Alabama by way of being a part of the. Texas A&M team. Look forward to it. How about the next piece of our agenda is uh, kind of looking at some of these games there, Wangs. Um, the Mississippi State versus the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky gets a big win, um, 28-7. How did, we, how did we handle that there? Uh, how, how did you pick there, John? I think I went with uh, Mississippi State. I'm pretty sure I, I went with them. I but, thought uh, Mississippi State, but then this Stoops is doing a great job, and I think I think late. If any anybody have the official tally in the background, because I am buying that I picked Kentucky, but I started with Mississippi State because I knew what kind of defense they had. But then I re- I, re- I remembered how you know I mean they beat you know, the Kentucky team beats uh, Florida you know early on in the year and. Right. So I'm 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 kind of jumped that uh, that bandwagon in that conference. The LSU Tigers are undefeated. Kentucky is undefeated. Alabama is undefeated, and Georgia is undefeated. Wow, how about that group? Now, if we're talking basketball, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, that's true. That it's a it's a great start for the Wildcats in football and. Uh, Stoops is doing a, a tremendous job there. The next game that we're going to recap will be the uh, Texas TCU game. Two Texas schools that are that are, play so close to each other and know each other's uh, players, you know, back and forth. And uh, it'd be it'd certainly be fun to to, to mull over that uh, Texas versus TCU game. TCU knows week in and week out, that Texas recruits the better players and gets them. And, uh, but uh, I think Gary Patterson, I think, he's, I think his team comes to play. Yeah. Well, they, they, Texas got them. TCU came off that game against Ohio State where, you know, they, they acquitted themselves well and they, they were in that game. And then, uh, but to come off and then, in the, and then go to play Texas the next week, uh, it was uh, that defense of Texas showed up, and uh, they, as you said, Les, Texas gets the better players, right? They, they, it, you know, year in and year out, and they are starting to roll now and get it together, you know, and Smack Girls will be happy because they beat a, a 17th ranked TCU team. And obviously, it was a dogfight. I mean, they, they, they cared. You know, the TCU team mm-hmm. is very interesting. What, what is the most significant predictor of victory is whoever wins the turnover ratio. And in this particular game, it was four turnovers for TCU. In other words, TCU turned the ball over four times, and Texas got four opportunities at a drive 
in points. I, you know, I want you to know something. You don't win many games for turnovers to none. You, and if you lose the turnover battle, it is generally the f- most important view in predicting success and victory. If you win the turnover battle, you win. So you know what? I think a, a more talented, physically capable Texas team uh, took advantage of uh, TCU, and uh, well, what a shame. I, I like I like that, uh, that TCU club. I think they play hard. I, I think a, uh, a game that we should kind of go and look at, John, because uh, it really speaks to college football, is the Oklahoma team just barely getting victory against a, a team that's not nearly as athletic as they are. Um, an Army club. I think the uh, the uh, score was 28-21 in overtime. Um, John, it's typical. If you don't come prepared in college football, you can you can finish on the the uh, low end of the totem pole. So, well, and especially when there's a, a such a uh, clash of systems, right? You, they don't see the type of system. Uh, the offense that Army runs. And uh, the, the stat that really was mind-blowing to me in that game was time of possession, right? Uh, Army had almost 45 minutes in time of possession. Oklahoma had a little over 15 minutes. So you think about that high-powered Oklahoma offense is sitting there watching the game, uh, you know, for, for three-quarters of it. And um, what a great what a great defense is to have those guys on the sideline. And then not to mention, when Army's on offense, you know they're having slow, methodical drives, eating up clock, and the type of offense that they run, uh, they don't see. Oklahoma doesn't see that very you know rarely you know every few years, and uh, that makes for a very difficult uh, task for that. Uh, Defense and, and Army, one thing you know about the academies, right, those guys will play four quarters with no quit, and they are so excited to be out there flying around. Uh, and we experienced it at Michigan a few times when we played uh, Navy and Air Force and Army. Though, though you better buckle your chin strap because those kids are coming for four quarters no matter what the score is. You're exactly right. And the, and the interesting piece here is – 45 minutes. Can you imagine now that this is a wishbone offense? This is a somebody that takes the snap, reads the guy on the outside of that guard to the inside of that tackle, and then gives, disconnects, comes to the edge, and then either keeps or pitches. And they're going to keep the ball in this game 45 minutes. Now let me just tell you something. That defense is worn out. They played a game and a half compared to a half that the opponent played. And so coming off the field, they have to be just worn thin because, hey, it's coming again. Here it is. It's, it's read, pitch, keep. And it's a, it's a real interesting, you know, that puts a, a team – with great athleticism and really a, uh, a talented team in a very difficult position because 
if they get a stop, if that Army team gets a stop, they're going to keep the ball for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I mean, nothing more frustrating to, to a high powered offense either, right? None. Uh, to sit there and watch. And, and those guys, uh, offensive, those offensive players didn't even have to take a shower after the game. They, they weren't even out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. They did no sweat, kept the, they had the helmet off most of the time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah I, uh, at the bit to get on the field. The next piece of our agenda is uh, Ben Miles in for Smacker Miles. He uh, had an experience that uh, most of college football would like to have. He traveled with the Texas A&M Aggies to Tuscaloosa and played um, Alabama in the Alabama home stadium. And uh, how good are they, Ben? I thought they were they were impressive. They were a a very good team. They um, they're big and physical up front. Their two inside inside linebackers are physical and smart players, talented secondary. And um, offensively, they've been different than they have been in the past. You know, um, you know, for for some years they've they've been you know very pro style, very pound jib, cloud of dust, um, three yards in a cloud of dust team. And uh, and um, but you know with with this. Two at quarterback and um, and and a and a, a handful of really talented receivers and an explosive tailback. So they they really can mix it up a lot and do a lot of things and spread the ball out. Kellen Mond is a good, good a really good player, Ben. I think that that quarterback is going to be something for A and M. Especially Jimbo likes to kind of sink his teeth into that quarterback position, and I would think that Kellen Mond would be just what they lead. You know, so I, I it'll be a It'll be a great offense to watch for a long time, I think. What do you think? I agree. I agree. Kellen, um, Kellen does a great job improvising with his feet, and he can make tough throws. Um, and he'll stand in the pocket and take a hit for his team um, and deliver a, a big time throw. Um, and, and he'll also go fight. He'll go fight with his legs to get you a yard, um, the yards that you need. So I think that you know. Um, as an offense, in, in these next weeks of, of practice and games, um, we need to pick it up and, and, and be around his level because um, when we can all get the right tools in place, he'll be a very, very special player. Um, but his ability to improvise right now is, is unique. Tell me what it was like coming out at um, was it Bryant-Denny Stadium in, uh, in Tuscaloosa. Stadium was packed. Um, it is a, obviously an excellent venue in college football. Um, I would not say that it is as um, quite as an impressive venue as Kyle Field or the Big House of Michigan. Um, so I think our, our two places are also pretty special venues to come out of, but. Um, but Brian Denny was packed. You know, the uh, Alabama fans were, um, you know, not quite as as sweet, not quite the sweetest fans in the country. Um, but you know, it's 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 a fun place to play. And actually, the the stadium is pretty far back from the field. It's a big sideline. It's not it's not not quite as loud as as. Um, 
as you would think, but nevertheless, a really fun venue. Hey, Ben Miles, thanks for being with us. I, uh, you, you, uh, you, you make your dad proud. So, uh, hey, get good grades. All love, right. I love you, Dad. Love you, boy. Okay, Wangs, let's have at it. Hey, we finally got some uh, voicemail. I enjoy answering your questions. So what are they? Hey, Coach. Huge fan, huge fan of LSU. I actually have a few questions for you. Uh, question number one, uh, what are your thoughts on becoming an athletic director, whether for LSU or really anywhere? Uh, question number two, for you right now, and this is nothing to say about Jim Harbaugh, but would you would becoming the head coach at Michigan be your dream job? And question number three, I'd love to hear how you felt watching both Chad Jones and Jared Mitchell not only win the BCS National Championship, but also win the 2009 College World Series against Cough Cough, the Texas Longhorns. Love to hear your answers on the show. Again, huge fan. Bye. Wow, he uh, he got me with he got four questions in just as quick as he could. Uh, uh, would I want to be an athletic director at the, at the right school? You bet you. I think that would be a uh, a lot of a lot of fun in 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 asking a guy that had been around teams and watched teams pursue championships and has um, real respect for what would be the volleyball gymnastics. Um, baseball, the Olympic sports, uh, all tracks. I would enjoy that. That would be fun to fun to come alongside that athletic community. I would think, but uh, I'm, I'm 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 not really ready to say that I'm going to pursue that. Um, head coach at Michigan. We got a good head coach. This Harbaugh is a good head coach. He's doing a good job. Let him keep let him keep doing what he's doing. Should. Um, an earthquake happened and something arranged and aligned so that there would be an opportunity for me to be the head football coach at Michigan, I'd be honored beyond belief. What a, uh, what a great school, what a great place, and the, uh, the ability to um, be a part of that culture yet again would be just uh, a joy. So, uh, uh, Chad Jones won a national championship and a BCS, excuse me, a uh, World Series baseball championship. Jared Mitchell was a part of the same piece. And um, that, I mean, if, if you talk, they, they called Chad Jones the dreadlocks of doom. He'd come in and throw that left. In fact, he closed out the national championship game throwing that left-handed uh, fastball by guys. Just whoosh, I uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed those guys, and I enjoyed that uh, um, that specific, unusual piece that they have in history at LSU. Hey, Les, this is Mike Thomas. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to you. Uh, I was a graduate student down there at LSU uh, around uh, 2012, and I had the opportunity to meet with you after a softball game once. My fiance and I were there, and she kind of pointed you out and said, I can't believe that's Les Miles sitting over there. I had the opportunity to kind of hunt you down and uh, take a picture with you and talk a little bit, and I just wanted to appreciate, uh, tell you how much I appreciated that, that time you spent with me. Mike Thomas, grad student. A, uh, at a softball game, I was with my family. We were watching the uh, 
the Lady Tigers uh, swing bats and throw fast pitch softball. And uh, I enjoy those those conversations and taking the picture. And, and, and you should because you represent, as the head coach, a time in history, your history. And uh, the opportunity for me to, to say hi and to be a part of that uh, is just a joy. So, uh, hey, I appreciate the, the uh, call in. And uh, I'd take that opportunity anytime that I get it to say hi and, and take a picture, shake hands, because the uh, people that have walked in that stadium have been very kind to me. Yo, Les, uh, this is Machu in uh, Baton Rouge. I was just wondering, how much communication do you have with us? Like, do you talk to him before the games, and or does he reach out to you as a former coach to understand the situation? Uh, thank you, and uh, go Tigers. Uh, Matthew, I, uh, I I have uh, I have contact with some of the players just uh, inadvertently as I see them, but uh, no, I. Uh, the, uh, the head football coach there is uh, Ed Ogeron, and we wish him well. He's uh, got a very great group of guys that he's getting the chance to coach, and uh, and we're for him. So, no, I uh, I am not uh, brought in, uh, having been in that position before. They're, they'll do fine. Les, Matt, John, this is George in New Orleans. So thrilled the podcast is back for another season. My question for you guys is this. Who are you picking to be sleeper teams that might get into a New Year's Six Bowl this year? Conversely, which teams might be a little bit overrated? Looking forward to hearing your opinions on this. Thank you. Hmm. Well, George from New Orleans, I, uh, I'd hesitate to pick the sleeper. I, um, I don't think anybody would call... Alabama sleeper. I don't think. Okay, now we're really you're just talking about getting into a bowl game, um, a New Year's Day, a New Year's Day bowl, or something along those lines. Well, I want you to know, I think outside the the four playoff teams, Oklahoma, LSU, and Stanford all have an opportunity to play in New Year's Day bowls. Um, I would like to see a matchup with involving Notre Dame. What do you think, John? Yeah, that that could be a possibility. Uh, I think Penn State, you know, they uh, they were to beat Ohio State, uh, you know, beat Michigan, uh, they'd be you know have an opportunity. But uh, yeah, you know, look at this. There's teams that even lost early, uh, you know, that, that could end up doing some things, right? You know. Washington. I mean, you could say something. Look at uh, this. There's teams that uh, if they lose early, you have the opportunity to to come back and if you can run the table. So uh, there's probably three or four teams outside of those big four that that actually could get it done. And if the things break right for them, yeah, I agree with that Washington call. I, yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. One thing we've got to look at too is this West Virginia team. This West Virginia team can throw the football. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think they're, they could do something. They could do something. And look, if Notre Dame wins with their schedule, uh, they certainly would be deserving. Yeah, playing Stanford in its in and of itself should be something that, uh, that uh, they'll have to 
that'll that'll take that'll take one of those teams and elevate them, and one of those teams and and drop them down. If you have any questions based on this last podcast, give us a call at 833-LESS-MORE. Okay, our predictions for week five of the college football season, Ohio State Buckeyes versus Penn State Nittany Lions in Happy Valley. Les, what are your thoughts? That Penn State team is awfully difficult to beat in Happy Valley. Playing at home, Trace McSorley, that quarterback, is a, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one for anybody to beat. The last three games, no, Penn State scored 35, 37, and 42 in the second half. The last three games. So who did you pick there, John? Well, it's going to be a whiteout, too, which is always, you know, all the fans get, you know, hyped up about it. But, you know, Penn State has, has not uh, faced anybody like Ohio State uh, so far. I'm not saying that they don't have a good team and that they're not very difficult to beat in, uh, you know, at, at, the, at Beaver Stadium. But uh, I don't think they're beating Ohio State uh, on Saturday. I think that'll tell tell a tale in the Big Ten too. You know what? I really it'll 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 start to position some teams and align them. But uh, you know, Ohio State still has, uh, and both of them both have some some big games against Michigan and Michigan State. So uh, it's still it's still early. I'm I'm just kind of not feeling Ohio State because of the the uh, head coach and the the difficulty that they've had to start the season that maybe they've they've rallied together and and are handling crisis. If that's the case, then that might make that Ohio State team stronger. I think it'd be uh, I think it'd be hard for me to pick against Ohio State in that game. Still, you know what? I just yeah, especially with that uh, with that quarterback playing the way he's playing. So we're we're consistent with the Buckeyes on this one. Yeah, we're both we're buying Buckeye uh, stock right there. All right, let's go to Stanford, number seven, Stanford at number eight, Notre Dame. I like Stanford, John. I really do. I just think I think that uh, Shaw will have them wired and tough in every play, and I, I just uh, they still have a, uh, a a tremendously talented uh, running back. I like that Stanford team. So I like Stanford too. I, I think uh, even though they're they're going across the country uh, and they had an emotional game against Oregon, uh, I think that win's going to to you know buoy them and, and and give them confidence. And I think they'll go into South Bend uh, and take care of business. I, I do. It'll be a close game, but I, I believe Stanford. Uh, is a better team, and they're going to uh, they're going to beat them in, in South Bend. Next one we got is number twenty-five BYU at number ten Washington. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I know that the uh, BYU team has got a uh, an offensive coordinator that uh, Jeff Grimes, who used to be my offensive line coach, and he has done a great job um, preparing that team to play and. Uh, I have a difficult time. Um, I know Holt, the the defensive coordinator at Washington, and I think that uh, no, there. I should say I know the tree of the defensive coordinator at Washington, and it comes from very fine football. So I, uh, 
I'm afraid I got to go with Washington just because it it sounds like the uh, the they they they're finding ways to win. They lost to to uh, Auburn, but they beat Arizona State. I think that uh, I think Washington I think Washington in a very close game fights and wins against the BYU t- team. I'm going to go BYU. And even though I said, you know, Washington uh, earlier that they could they could be a playoff team, and they could. But I'm going to go BYU. They BYU came off uh, a huge win a week or two, a week ago against Wisconsin on the road. I just think that they're going to go up there to Washington, and, and they're going to use that confidence, and uh, uh, and they're going to upset them. I think they're going to upset uh, Washington, even though that is a, a tough arena to play in. Uh, I think BYU. I'm picking them in an upset, Les. It's a good call. It's a good call. I like that. I like that Grimes. But remember, I'm gonna just tell you one thing: when you play Washington on the road, there it's really an unusual uh, venue. It is loud. It is you're like right by the water. I mean, it is. It's really interesting. So I it'll it'll be a uh, it'll be a tough place for BYU to get victory. But playing Washington, BYU. It'll be a tough game, period. The last one we're going to pick is the Old Miss at your number six-ranked LSU Tigers, uh, the night game in Death Valley. What are you thinking? Um, I'm picking LSU. I think uh, Old Miss does not have the horses that LSU has. I think that this will be a uh, a, a victory of of length, I think it'll it'll be a three touchdowns or more um, victory, and uh, I uh, yeah I, I like the way that defensive front's continuing to play. Dave Aranda is special, and and frankly, I think that they continue to get better week in and week out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, playing you know in Death Valley at night. Uh, with a, a, a in, you know, they do not have the talent that LSU does, uh, and with the venue and the time and uh, the way LSU is playing, I, I think LSU will definitely uh, prevail, and I think they will prevail big on Saturday night uh, versus Ole Miss. They've been decimated with, by a lot of things over the last uh, year and a half, and I, I, I just don't think they have enough to, to get it done there uh, in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I, I continue to like Joe Burrow. I continue, it, it, He makes the clutch throw, moves out of the pocket, more athletic than you'd think, and then he makes a clutch throw. I really like Joe Burrow. And he hasn't thrown it. He has not thrown an interception, which uh, is amazing and a, a great uh, statistic for a quarterback to have. Uh, you know, you got a guy who doesn't make mistakes, doesn't lay the ball on the ground or throw it to the wrong colored jersey. Uh, it's worth its weight in gold, and it's uh, it's been uh, it's good to see him go down there and, and and shine after coming from Ohio State. Hey, John, let's let's look at the top four picks. And if if we were going to have a playoff today, who would you have in your top four? Number one is Alabama, right? That's that's yeah. Right. I agree. I, I, I think they're, they're, uh, they've got too much right now. Unless something catastrophic happens on their path, uh, they, to me, seem like uh, one of the final four without a question. I agree completely. Now, you have some conversation with Georgia, 
Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma especially, just coming off of that near near loss, although the, I understand, we all understand that that was a, that was a dog fight. LSU is, is rising and their stock is, is viable. Who's number two? I mean, I understand how they got to where they're at, but who's number two? Is Ohio State truly the second best team? My vote is Ohio State, especially with the way this Dwayne Haskins is playing. Uh, they're, they're hitting on all cylinders, okay? Uh, they have fought some adversity off the field, obviously, to start this season, uh, some distractions. Uh, but they, they have, the team has remained focused, and they're a very talented bunch. Uh, they got a lot of athletes there. They got depth there. Um, now they have to play Penn State this week, and we're going to get a, a, a real good glimpse of how good they are or maybe how good they aren't. But to me, uh, Ohio State, based on their uh, performance so far, is, is the second-best team. I, uh, I, I could buy that. I could honestly, um, watching Clemson play A&M at A&M, I, I really kind of saw the strength and what would be the weakness also. I, uh, I, think, that, uh, I think Clemson's talent is, is really, really good in the defensive front seven. I think that they can – I think they could be – a little susceptible uh, in the secondary. So it's an interesting thought. And I think Georgia's got as good a personnel as anybody in the country. It's just wondering, are they in a position now to put it together? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. Clemson's path to the Final Four appears to be much easier. Right? I mean, you're talking about the ACC that's, you know, not as strong, especially this year with what's going on with Florida State. Uh, Boston College, uh, you know, loses. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, I think that. you make a great point. Clemson will definitely come out of the ACC, and they're undefeated now. I don't know why they wouldn't be undefeated at, at this point, you know, on the back end of this thing. So, really, you're looking at Alabama, then Ohio State or Georgia, depending on how you slice it, and then for sure Clemson. And I think Clemson may not have the most mobile quarterback and may not have that uh, intangible at the quarterback spot. So that, to me, I, I drop them just you know ever so slightly because I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, if they continue to do what they're supposed to do, they'll be in the playoffs. Agreed. This is why college football is so fun, just to see how these things turn out. We're awfully pleased to have a visitor to the Less Is More podcast, a, uh, a, uh, a great Michigan man, and somebody that, uh, um, that, that, frankly, I enjoyed his career and, and rooted for him. Uh, he was an offensive lineman, played on... Uh, um, three Rose Bowl teams, was Rose Bowl champion one time, was a Super Bowl champion one time, and uh, what a uh, what a special career. And Kurt Becker was a, I'm going to say, 65 Kurt, was that your number? 
65 at University of Michigan. Yeah, how about yes, that, sir. babe? How about that one? How and, about that? Yeah, Lester. and I was a GA, and John was a, uh, a quarterback on a great team, and uh, we were lucky to have been around Coach Shem Beckler. A uh, a Beck, tell us, yes. kind of compare Michigan and the experience that you had there with the rest of your football experience. Well, you know. It, it, it's not even comparable because coming back to Ann Arbor this weekend and, and coming back and, and reconnecting with the university and re, reconnecting with my teammates is just so uplifting that, you know, the best years of your life are, are, are the years that were spent here at the University of Michigan. And, you know, Bo had a saying and Bo had a lot of sayings, but, you know, one of them was those who stay will be champions. And champions can be framed in, in, in a lot of ways, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you stayed with Bo and you went through the program and, and you went through the University of Michigan, you become a champion in life. And, and, and it's really revealing as you get older and come back and see that. That's awesome. Yeah, they know what the, that, that's what college football really is. College football is a, a series of relationships that you carry with you through time and well they're, yeah they're they're lifelong bonds no question about it because you know it's it would be like any other organization but it's the commitment that you learn the core values that you all achieve and uh the values that are earned and learned that you know you all share and um you know the the, the risk and reward of the game is unbelievable but you know, the, the rewards are, are so fulfilling that football is, you know, the greatest game in the United States of America. There isn't any question. And, and it, this country will not do without football. It, it, no matter how, what adjustment that needs to be made, uh, football is too important. So. Right. And, you know, and, 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 and as the game is, you know, and it, I played professionally for nine years less and not. Uh, you know, the game is under constant attack, right? It's, right? it's a very visible game that's under attack. But, you know, and as I say, football is a tough sport for tough kids. And it's not for everybody, you know. And uh, But the tough kids that want to play it, it, it's very rewarding and can provide, you know, look at the opportunities that have been provided to all of us, yourself, John, myself, through the game of football. So... Um, that's the wonderful thing about it. Yeah, we, we've we've been fortunate to be around a a team first organization at Michigan, and and really illuminates the strengths of playing college football. When you are working for your teammate, when you have his back, when you step forward at risk of injury. To do something for your team, and that, and it's those teams that understand that that become great winners and champions. So I, uh, we, we've been awfully fortunate to be around Coach Jim Beckler over time, and uh, and and really, um, the the men that we choose to hang out with describe Bo's temperament and and what was important to him, and uh, it's. It, we, we still carry it with us. It doesn't, it well, doesn't. his thought was beyond his years. You no know? question. And, 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 he, and he knew and he believed in what he was saying. 
and he believed in what he was selling and it all has come you know full circle and it's true yeah and as we we've gotten older those words still resonate in our brain and, and and we reflect back on you know just how smart he was you're right you're right and I and I'll never forget that old '65 turning the corner and running like hell over somebody. And I just, as a young coach, I'm saying I gotta have me some mobile guards like that. So that was in the day when they were pulling guards when we'd run trap and sweep play. That's you correct. You don't see that. that too much anymore. I know. But, uh, I know. You know, the day of the pulling guard is. Uh, it was kind of, and hopefully, you know, everything gets cycled back through the system. You know, there was a day when the tight end was obsolete. Now the tight end's back in the picture. Uh, there was a day when the fullback was kind of obsolete. Now fullbacks are fitting back into the picture. So, unless you're in Nebraska. yeah, unless you're in Nebraska. <laughs> well, so you know, and, and and the game evolves and the players evolve too. But you know, you look back and it's hard to make comparisons. So you just say, I was very thankful for the time and era that I got to participate. No, no question. Hey, hey, Beck, thanks for being with us. Really appreciate it. No problem, Les. Good luck to you, and uh, go blue. Go blue. John Wangler, thanks for your, your effort, energy, and, and your very learned opinion. And uh, always, always a pleasure to get together with a great friend. Have a great one, John. Great catching up, Les. Thanks. See ya. Forward to next week. Thanks for tuning in and uh, listening to the Less Is More podcast with Smacker Miles, John Wangler, and Les Miles. Have a great day. The Players Tribune.com.